Hello, everybody, and welcome to Take the Stage Opera Podcast. We are excited to be doing our first podcast collaboration with podcaster Andre Peel from So You Went to School for Singing. Andre is creative and capable. You cannot put him in a box and tell him what to be or how to live his life. He is flexible and creates his own career brick by brick. He is also an advocate for education reform and for finding your why. We are excited to have him here with us today. Is everyone saying no to your singing career? Well, we here at Take the Stage Opera Podcast say toy, toy, toy. Find out what is holding you back so you can stop waiting in the wings and go out and get your standing ovation. There are no forbidden topics here, so get your ticket and find your seat. In Boca Lupo! So I am joined, of course, by my friend Mariah. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Great. Except for buying a car today. Oh, how did that go? I bought a minivan. Disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> At my, least it was a Honda, right? Yes, my car died over Thanksgiving, so mm. I had to go oh, car rough. shopping. It's the worst. <gasps> but any other than that, we're getting prepared for the holiday season. How about you? Yeah, me and your wife are making little mini snow hats. They like go on a little garland. They're like an inch tall. And we're making a garland out of them. I made one, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. You did. It took me forever. I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Well, as I said, um, we are excited to introduce our guest today, Andre Peel. Welcome, Andre. Hi. I'm so excited (laughs) to be here and talk with you all and meet you all. Yes. Both at the same time. And it's great. And I'm excited. Yes. So Andre completed high school and his undergraduate work at the UNC School of Music, which is the University of North Carolina, right? School of the Arts. School of the Arts. So it's the UNC School of the Arts. It used to be, back in the day, just the North Carolina School of the Arts. Okay. They added a U for more money. We didn't really get the more money. (laughs) Oh, no. UNC. (laughs) Okay. Great. Well, and I think that's really cool that they have a fine arts high school. Yes. That's really amazing. Lots of. Lots of ages. Lots of ages. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So then Andre went on to do his master's at Florida State University, and he is currently a fellow at the A.J. Fletcher Opera Institute. Um, And he also does photography and loves doing that on the side as he builds his singing career. Yeah. So um, we talked about splitting up this episode. So after doing Rock, Paper, Scissors... (laughs) We decided that we would Very ask. professional. <laughs> we always do rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, yeah. That's how we decide everything. We decided we'd ask Andre some questions first, and then he would get to ask us some questions later on in this episode. And so, um, yeah, let's. So the reason that we wanted to have you on is because we love so many of the things that you stand for and your podcast stands for. So we won't have time to cover everything in depth today, but of course we will direct everyone to your podcast. So you went to school for singing to get more info info about you. Um, But we do want to discuss today finding your why, um, education reform, and also finding 
valuable performance experience wherever you are. So let's start with finding your why. I feel like my why has been developing as I get older. Mm. And, but I feel like the, the, the clearer my why is why I, why I sing, why I decide to, I don't know, wake up and exercise, why I decide to be nice to everyone, <laughs> or why I believe in the things that I do about education is that I, I understand what I want or what I feel like my purpose is mm. in terms of being an artist, but also an advocate. And because I know that that's what my purpose and my why is, it kind of helps me make choices and helps me um, have perspective um, when certain things happen, maybe the way that I want it to happen or maybe the way that I don't want it to happen, but to know that there's, you know, this bigger picture and this bigger calling and one, one little moment, one no or one not right now is all a part to get me where I know I need, that I want to be eventually. Yes, I love that. So where did you come across this idea of your why? Oh, lots of books, <laughs> lots of podcasts, yeah. lots okay. of walks in the park. Lots of- <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, because, you know, sometimes it's very easy to just be like, I'm a singer. And when like it's just I'm a singer you open yourself up for a lot of like disappointment and people telling you trying you you start reaching out for validation because you're like I'm a singer but like when you realize that singing is a part of just one part of all the other things that you do I think it gives you a little bit more space from what people say because it's not personal mm-hmm. right Maybe. I, that's what I'm, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. It's still ever molding. Yeah. As it probably always will be, but I, I get that and I feel the same way. If you figured it out completely, then you're probably ready to retire. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. I've done my job here. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Yeah. So have you read Simon Sinek, Finding Your Why or or is it finding your something? No. Like no. And I'm going to embarrass myself by saying I don't know what that is. So <laughs> It's okay. I don't either. <laughs> I'm always the one that reads books. Maybe I read too many books and I don't practice enough no or something. <laughs> but Simon Sinek wrote like a, you know, a big book a couple years ago. It's I think it's called Finding Your Why and it's mo- I think it's kind of based off for businesses, but also for people as well, just kind of figuring out what your why is. How if you, or no, maybe it's start with why. Maybe that's what it's called, start with why. And it's like, the if you know what your why is first, then you f- can figure out the how. Mm. But if you start with the how, then you don't always know exactly why you're doing it. I think that's like the, the basic premise. I always tried, when I started with a new student teaching, asking them what their why is, mm. especially younger students, because if they can even give you their version of what their why is, it's like, whatever this why is, this is going to be why you practice. So when you sure. wake up and you go, I don't want to practice, hopefully whatever you have decided your why is, it's like, oh, 
I don't know, I want to sing a solo for my grandmother. That can be what motivates you to yeah. do what you need to do. So I think the why, starting with the why and everything is so important. Right. I think I think it was in Grit, which we kind of mentioned in another episode. Um, she talked about a famous baseball player, and I do not remember his name because I don't know baseball players. But um, he explained, like, because of his goals or whatever his why is in baseball, it's like he eats exactly what he eats every day. And when he goes to the beach, he wears a shirt so that he doesn't get sunburned so that he can continue, you know, practicing and not lose the moment, the motion of his arm or whatever. And so he talked about how every tiny little decision that he made during the day was going towards his why. Yes. And I think that sounds meticulous and like a little micromanagey to a lot of people <laughs> but i think it, it, it can help you from getting we we have so many distractions every day that can throw our brains a thousand places but to find be able to find focus and like in a meditative state of like these are my choices mm-hmm. because yeah. i have goals and i want to do x y and z so therefore i will wear that shirt i will not eat that or whatever it is so that you can get where you feel like you need to go or want to go. Right. And I think that like, there are a couple of things that I do that sound like very micromanaged and very meticulous, but I do them because I want to do them so that I can be better at my singing or at my performing, whatever's going on. Um, And so to me, they're not like this huge thing that I'm going out of my way to do. It's just, I know it'll make my singing better. So I do it. Right. And it could depend like, if you if your goal is to be one of the best opera singers in the world, then you might have a different focus of attention than a beginning student who just likes to sing. Or, and of course, a whole bunch of ranges in between. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. So not, not everyone's why will drive them to do the exact same thing or to look the exact same way. Yeah. Now. So let's talk a little bit about... E- your interest in education reform and kind of how you came about that. How did you come up with your, your philosophies who inspired you or, I mean, it's a little bit inherent in the name of your podcast. So you went to school for singing, you know, obviously there's a little bit of a, I don't want to say attention with the idea of education, but just, yeah. Talk to us about that. I don't know. It's just, I feel like I always watched and talked to people while I was in school and talking to a lot of my singer friends outside of school who are currently singing, who decided not to sing, or in between, wherever we're all on different versions of that path, and just kind of piecing together certain threads of consistency. It's like, oh, all these people felt that they wish they had this same experience, or this person felt like they weren't seen, or they spent thousands of dollars of school to not walk on the stage. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, and lots of ideas of like, and I think what helped coming back to school now at 31 after teaching is that even the perception of what is a vocal performance degree, um, I think kids, younger people, um, want more flexibility. They're like, I like musical theater, I, but I still mm-hmm. like opera. Sure. And you right. know what? I learned how to play the guitar and I like writing my own songs. And I think for a while it was like vocal performance is opera. And now we're at a space where kids are like, opera. Why? Man. 
why yeah 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 and it's and and it's like how do we keep them engaged with and how do we not shame them for like not knowing yeah. who renee fleming is it's like why would someone who's 18 necessarily right. know that and why is it a bad thing or why are they bad for not so i think it's important not only just like status but just allowing everybody to get bitten by the classical bug but not forcing it and yeah, yeah. letting them kind of do it at their own path um but also not having it be presented as so elevated because one thing <laughs> that i thought was very interesting was teaching students who younger students and you give them like a art song and they're like what voice do i use to sing this and it's like it's still you it's still your voice it's like maybe there's more vibrato more space more breath whatever whatever but it's still you and so how do we get people to not think that Cato Mil Ben is like 50 miles ahead of where they think they could be it's like no there are notes on a page you sing notes on a page in choir it's just without a choir um and so just like breaking down some of these barriers and letting people feel like they can make art kind of the way that they want to because I think our generation and generations, I guess, coming are very much like I want to, like, there are no walls. I want to do whatever I want to do within reason. But still, it's like, why can't I sing that? Why yeah. does this person have to look like this? And I think yes. we have to get with the winning team and learn how to uh, progress with those ideals. I think it's funny how you say, like, um, elevated music, I think is what you called it, as if, like, music by Western European dead white men is the only elevated yeah. <laughs> status of music. Right. And any other type of music couldn't possibly be challenging or important or... <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's... And, and I think we are getting to the point, thank God, as a society where we can look at things and be like, oh, this is all the same. We just mm. have pretended that one is one higher, <laughs> yes. the other was, is not. And I'm glad. Yeah, and too. I'm kind of glad that, like, I don't know, COVID has kind of brought people back to songs again because mm. you can't do big operas now. Right. Mm -hmm. and and so like what are what are the voices and sadly we've learned that we've spent decades of like quieting american voices or being like you're not important schubert 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 and now we're like hey where are the american composers to write life now mm -hmm. so hopefully this will bring in song because not everybody who goes to school for singing wants to be in opera they might want yeah. to to just sing some songs and feel like that's enough and that they are contributing to whatever society that we say that we're contributing yeah. to as classical artists. And they are. And I really yes. appreciate those people who are doing that. They're my favorite people. <laughs> Breaking the rules. Please break some rules, people. <laughs> So lastly, we wanted to talk about finding performance opportunities of value no matter what they are. 
So Evan and I have definitely had to create some of our own performance opportunities since we live in a rural town. Don't ask me why. (laughs) Um, But we have discovered some huge benefits to this. So what do you think about that? Yes, I think it's very uh, easy to only think that we're successful or we can perform in like fancy places, Mm -hmm. fancy opera houses, fancy companies, fancy conductors, wearing fancy clothes. And if it's not that, if it doesn't look like that, it's like, oh, I don't want any of it. Or it's like, this isn't the same community theater. What is this? (laughs) And you, especially as a young singer, it's like, sure, sure, sure. You want to sing at the houses that your teachers have probably told you about or you've seen your favorite singers sing in. But it's like, where do you think you learn that training? Where do you think Mm -hmm. you you have to learn it by doing it? And you probably want to make your, (laughs) go through your growing moments when there's not a big audience versus when there's a huge audience. So, um, and finding, I don't know, just remembering, I guess, why you're singing in the first place. And if it was only for the fame and the, the applause, yeah. as Lady Gaga would say. It's like maybe <laughs> you need to rethink about that because if you're only going to be yes. happy when you're singing at a house, you're going to spend a lot of not happy days. <laughs> and it's like, do you, do you want that really? Mm-hmm. Um, and because, uh, foreshadowing, I guess, um, A Return to Love by Marion Williamson is one of my favorite books. And um, she talks about how an actor complained about not having enough opportunities and she was like if you're not making putting on plays in nursing homes it's like you're not Mm -hmm. actually wanting this career that you want like you can't complain that there's no opportunities right and you're not when there's plenty you might not like the way they look or you might not like the fact that you might have to call and see if they have a piano and see what you have to do and there's not people who've done that work for you but if you want it bad enough i think you have to put yourself out there, but also know like, oh, I'm doing this because like, I like singing. I like performing or whatever that why, your version of what that why is. And just like keeping that always in the front of your brain and knowing that all these opportunities only make you better. Like I said, it's like you do all these recitals and these small things. So when someone asks you to sing, I don't know, at the Met, you're not walking on an opera stage for the first time in your entire life. Yes. It's like, oh, I've done this before. It's just at a different space. Not a better space, just a different space. Right. Well, how yeah. how many singers do we know that they think, you know, they're just not really singing, they're not performing, so then they just kind of wither until their inner artist dies? And, you know, Mariah and I, I think we've discovered that there are no gatekeepers anymore. There's no one standing at the gate deciding who gets to sing and who doesn't. There, you know, there's somebody at the Met who decides if you get to sing there or not. But, like, I get to sing. You know, the Met might not want me to sing there yet. <laughs> but I get to sing. <laughs> and yeah, that's a yeah. powerful message. And I think, if again, if COVID has taught us anything, that you can set up a camera, live stream, anything, anywhere. Mm-hmm. You can do an Instagram recital. You can do a, a Facebook recital. You can. There, there are 
I think we've learned that there are no excuses. If you want to put art out there, you can. And then I think you just have to have the conversation with yourself on what's preventing you from doing it already. <laughs> right. So I think we're getting ready to turn the tables around. All right. Look how the turntables have... <laughs> what is that? that Michael Scott? Look how the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to see what Andre has in store for us. Are you ready? Oh, yes. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> so I, I make everyone, everyone, tell me their opera origin story. Aww. Very um, Marvel or comic book. <laughs> so I'm always interested <laughs> in what got you into deciding, okay, I want to go to school for music. Because I feel like even that story varies from every person mm-hmm. like some people had lots of experience some people had no experience and i think it's also important for younger singers or in general to know that there is no right way if you're 15 and you've never had a voice lesson that means nothing right <laughs> yes um yep. and so be as you know detailed or not whatever but i'm curious to know where you how you got into this and i think we're going to start with Mm, Mariah. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Um, So I always wanted to be a singer. Um, I mean, when American Idol came out when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to win American Idol. And I just like for years was like waiting till I turned 16 so I could go audition for American Idol. And then I was in my choir room one day and one of the seniors was getting one of her like college audition songs ready and she was singing... De Vieni Non Tardar mm. from The Marriage of Figaro. And it just, like, she started singing. And I'm sure it was probably terrible because it was a senior in high school. But, um, like, I just felt like my whole world stopped. And I just was like, what is this, like, beautiful music? And, like, from then on, I was like, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to do opera. So I begged my parents for voice lessons, but it didn't quite happen. Um, and so I didn't start taking lessons till I got to college, but yeah, I've known fairly well what I wanted my trajectory in life to be from a young age. So I went in and got a degree in music and then went on and got a master's in it and have never thought about doing anything else ever. She has no other okay. skills to uh, offer. That, that is also true. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it is. She doesn't even know how to tweet. I don't. Oh, we were just either. talking. I, don't really tweet. I know. We were. J- Evan was like, "Podcasters need to have a Twitter," and I was like, "Well, we're not going to be successful." <laughs> 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 Gotta love it. Gotta love it, uh, Evan. <sighs> Alrighty, my origin story. Well, um, you know, I did music growing up. My mom had us take piano lessons when we were four, each of my siblings and I. And when I, I, I liked singing. I remember liking um, classical music and things. And so I auditioned for a choir when I first got in high school, and I didn't get in my first, I think, two years. And I thought, oh, I must be a horrible singer because I had friends in choir and I didn't get into choir. Oh, no. You know what I mean? But I had a gal who was my student teacher who she was finishing her student teaching. And I just, like, loved her as my teacher. And she said, would you take 
would you be interested in taking voice lessons with me? And I remember it just like blew my mind that I could do that. So I, oh. you know, started taking lessons and paid for it myself as a kid in high school. And um, she kind of inspired me. I decided to be a choir teacher. So I did my undergrad in education. <laughs> and excellent. You know, I kind of learned right towards the end of my degree that I, you know, teaching in public schools wasn't my calling per se. But while I was in my undergrad, I had yet another teacher, Christine, who we talk about, who just kept saying, you need to sing opera, you need to sing opera. And she took, you know, made me go to the Met competition. And so I had an aria package all of a sudden. And I was, you know, then she did some opera scenes and she kind of made me do Onyegin and <laughs> these opera scenes. And I just, you know, I did. I just kept saying, no, 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 I don't want to do it. And the reason really is I did a musical in high school and I kind of had a horrible experience. Not, I just didn't know what I was doing and I didn't like really get the help that I needed and I felt uncomfortable acting on stage and stuff like that. So I just thought I would never do it. But because of these two teachers who just kept kind of inviting me and pushing me, eventually I kept having enough opportunities that I thought, oh, my gosh, I should do this. So I ended up auditioning for grad school for opera. And at this point, I already had a wife and one child and one on the way. And it was like, what on earth are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) But that's that's kind of what we felt like we should do. And so here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, That's um, beautiful. (laughs) Both of your stories are. And it. Very different, yeah. Very different stories, yeah. um, but we all ended up magically, ish at the same place. Yeah. yeah. Um, excellent. Thank you both for answering both of those questions. Stunningly. Of course, those were A plus plus. plus. <laughs> Thank you. Those were fun questions. So, Andre, we have one more big question for you, and then just two fun questions. Love it. So all throughout your career, people tell you what you should do and what you and who you should be. But every singer has a weakness and a different journey to overcome that weakness. So we want to hear from you. What is the one thing that you've been told is holding you back and how have you overcome that? Andre, you're too smart. Just do it. Don't overthink it. Oh. Uh, and um, to which I so, but, uh, but <laughs> just, uh, um, and, and maybe it's because I'm an Aquarius and left-handed. <laughs> yeah. and all... Left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> and so That's definitely and, and it. I think I think it's those two things together. I, <laughs> I just see the world where I feel like I have to take things as truth first, sometimes mm-hmm. to my detriment. And so a teacher's like, I don't know, do a cartwheel and sing that note. It'll work out for you. And even if it does work once, I'm like, oh, but how? Right. Dude, what happened in the cartwheel? And they're like, no, 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 no. You just did it. You just did it. Just do it again. And it's like, mm-hmm. but I need to know. Because mm-hmm. at some point, I think this is a fear that at some point I'll be in a hotel room doing the cartwheel and then it won't happen. And it's like, I never learned exactly what right. was happening. Uh, um, I and, sympathize greatly and, with this, actually. And so I, that plus the fact that I, I have opinions about myself because it's my voice. I know, (laughs) like, how do I, how dare I have ideas about how my voice likes singing? 
Right. Um, and I find, but also where that intersects with being a people person and wanting teachers to think you're smart and you're good and you're talented mm. and you're listening. And, <laughs> um, and so I find when I'm out of balance there and when I'm like, oh, Andre, you've learned that if you, I don't know, breathe on a little stir straw that you are economic and things aren't as easy. And it's like, you've been practicing that for two weeks and it's better. And then like a teacher will say, how about you jump in jacks when you sing and it, and I'll just drop everything that I've already said, like, oh, this works. Oh, sure. For, and it's not saying that the jumping jacks wouldn't work, but it's like right. both. And right. so I find when I quiet my own voice for other voices to be amplified, that I get out of balance and then I get myself into trouble. Not to say that what they're saying is not right. It's just... Them being right doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Yes. Or that you need all of the voices at the same time. Yeah. Yes. I think that's an important and message so, for a lot of singers yeah. and yeah. people. And so it's so that is and that's so that is this that's the struggle. That's the struggle. <laughs> but I and it's one of those things that's just like, oh, another thing to find balance in. And so yeah, that would, that would be how I answer that question. I think <laughs> for now, today, after yes. tomorrow, who knows? <laughs> we'll have a follow up. Oh, so we also want to know. I mean, you you told us the book earlier, um, a return to love, right? But I want to hear yes, a little by bit Marianne more. Williamson. Yes, it is. Um, wow, it it has centered me. It is just about le- how leading with love whether for yourself or other people and how when you lead with love so many other things kind of like your why it's like once you like identified how to lead with love you won't say that mean thing to that person or you won't do treat yourself i don't know poorly because you're you're leading with love and um that's always it's one of those things i don't know i would go to religious camp when i was younger and so it's like those moments where you just like spend two or three weeks and then you like go home and you're like, yay, I'm whatever. And then like, as time goes by, you kind of just go back to your everyday life. Sure. And so for me, that's kind of the same. It's like you, I finished the book and I'm like, love everyone, love myself, do this. Great, great, great. And then like life happens, whatever you watch the news, COVID, whatever. Ugh. And you just kind of sink back. And so this book kind of helps me turn it back on um, when I feel a little bit out of balance. I'm excited to read that. It sounds great. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Good. And then dream roll. Okay. I'm bad at this. So it's going to be dream rolls. uh, Yeah, same. Glitch and Susanna Mm -hmm. because I just, Mm -hmm. I'm Southern and I'm Southern and it's I've seen, I feel like I've seen, I've lived that yes. part of that. And um, Figaro, in Le Notte di Figaro. Mm-hmm. How come? Uh, Why Figaro? Oh, there's so, he has so many different, he goes through so many different emotional states. Mm. Happy, cunning, mad, angry, and it's just like getting to do all of them. Yeah. Throughout the night. Um I don't know, one of the few non-Verdi plus role operas that 
the baritone gets a big part. Yes. <laughs> um, or at least maybe like a, a, a bassier baritone and not like a right. lyric baritone. Yeah. Um, that's there. Um, I love all the Mephistopheles, like um, the Boedo, the Faust, just that character. Yeah. I don't, uh, it's, yeah. Um, my mother probably hates that, but whatever, <laughs> whatever. Um, so all of those, um, Votan and the Ring Cycle. Uh, but that's yes. one of those that you just like, look, you're like, ah, yeah. if I <laughs> Way squint, off in the distance. <laughs> way off in the distance, I think I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, but also Alberish because mm-hmm. it is the character of it all. I think mm-hmm. is very, very interesting. Um, is that opera? That's opera. And <laughs> Frederick Egerman in A Little Night Music. Oh, cool. Because I love Sondheim yeah. so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that. But just like there are like all these indie films that are happening now where telling stories that maybe can't get to the movie theater. I'm really interested in doing that with opera. Ooh. Good, good work, good writing, yeah. Yeah. good storytelling, but also good com- composing. Um, I don't know. I I would love to get into that niche because I think there's a lot of cool stories yes. that can happen that don't necessarily need a whole big cast and a big orchestra and like proscenium and yeah. set. It's like no, they're like stories that can be told beautifully with beautiful music. So. Mm. All of those things are a dream. I love that. HMS Pinafore. I always forget. <laughs> I always, that's one of those random things. I'm like, I would love to do a pinafore. Would you really? like Bob Gilbert the, and the captain or who? What a stunning question. I don't know. I like them all. If you okay. just said Andre. Every single here, character. I will do all the parts. Okay, let's do it. Yes. Let's yes. do it. I love, I love that piece. Nice. Well, Andre, this has just been too much fun. Yeah. It yes. Has. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so, so much, much for coming on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This was this was a wonderful ending of 2020. Oh. Right. Yes. Okay, friends out in the audience, thank you for joining us. Just like Andre talked about today, we want you to remember that you are powerful. You get to create your career and make it as meaningful as you wish it to be. Your voice is powerful, and we need your creative, artistic self out in the world. So with that, stop waiting in the wings and go out and take the stage. In Boca Lupo. Thank you for listening to another episode of Take the Stage Opera Podcast. We love hearing from you, so please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and give us a review. It helps us to continue delivering quality material. 